All right, everyone, it's time to get uncomfortable. Welcome to ROSC episode six, tripling down on your weaknesses. This is going to be one of the more difficult ones to listen to. This is going to be one of the more difficult ones that you're going to have to try to internalize. This is going to be one of those that you're going to have to potentially listen to over and over again. Think about over and over again. And really, this is... This is where the cream rises to the top in all of us. We've all heard this concept of tripling down on your strengths, doubling down, tripling down on the things that you're good at. My argument is that this is a disguise for just being comfortable, for just taking the easy route, for living in a fixed mindset. And then we're going to come back to, I'm going to walk you through the thoughts that I have on this, and we're going to come back to how to turn this into something that's actionable, how to turn this into something that can actually turn into action, doing something about these thoughts, because thoughts are nothing without actually doing. And that's going to be the ultimate theme here. There's no magic pill, there's no trick, there's no tactics, there's no how do you, whatever. It just comes down to do it. So like I said, this is going to be a difficult one. But there are going to be a large number of you out there who are really, I think, going to like this. The last caveat I'm going to give, the last disclaimer I'm going to give for this episode is this is one of those things, just like everything, but I want to emphasize it more here. This is one of these things that you're going to have to write down on a sticky note and put it on your bathroom mirror, put it on your fridge, put it on your microwave, put it on your phone, put it on your steering wheel everywhere that you go, you're going to have to put this because you're going to constantly forget about it and you're going to want to forget about it. But you keep reminding yourself and that'll get you to keep implementing it. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into tripling down on your weaknesses. I want to start with the educational system and the process of getting a formal academic education and a degree and all that stuff. One of the problems with the academic system is the pass-fail system. I've talked about this in the context of a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. The idea that going through schooling, you have a certain number of things that you need to learn. You have to then take a test and you either pass and move forward or you fail and you get reprocessed. And so you do everything you can to negotiate that passing grade. It could be extra credit. It could be extracurricular activities. It could be whatever it might be. What you want is either the answers to the test to get you moving forward or something else that can boost that test score to get you to the next step. And what that ends up doing is cultivating you into a pathway where you find the least resistance to the end point. It becomes transactional. I will attend class. I will do this and this and that. If it means in return, I'm going to get a passing grade. If it means in return, I'm going to get a degree. Because we all know as soon as that goes away, so does our effort. And we've all experienced that in school. This is sort of the precursor to developing the fixed mindset, but it's also a precursor to getting into a situation where you triple down on your strengths. This combined with the fact that the entire system is perpetually rewarding you for that passing grade, you start to associate your reward center, your pleasure center, your success center in your brain with passing. And so when you get to a point where you start to get to choose what classes you take, 
You get to choose what subjects you invest your time in when you've already systematized yourself to dedicate only a certain allotment of time in your brain and in your life to that thing, like studying for school, you know, scheduling all of that stuff, and then scheduling the things you enjoy around that, even more so, you are now being fortified in this idea of gravitating towards the things that come easier to you, that are your strengths. Because if you're going to put a certain amount of effort in, you want to decrease the amount of effort you have to put in. And so, of course, you're going to go towards the things that you like, the things that you enjoy, the things that you're good at, so that you can get the ultimate goal, the passing grade. Now, this is not a podcast about trying to dismantle the schooling system or anything like that. But we in the medical field, no matter what station you're in, no matter what field you're in, no matter what profession you're in within the medical field, it's like the epitome of the academic process to such an extent that most of us come out the other end sort of oblivious to the rest of the world and how things are changing because we're so fixated in that process. One of the interesting things that our minds do is rewiring to be more efficient, getting rid of the steps in between to get yourself to a thought process that is the end goal in a sense. So for example, if you train yourself long enough to think that you are incapable of doing something because of X, Y, and Z, eventually you won't even ask yourself the questions of X, Y, and Z, and you'll just immediately go to incapable because your brain doesn't want to waste time going through all of that firing. And so since it recognizes that pattern, it does it again and again. Why am I mentioning this right now? Because the concept of tripling down on your strengths, I feel is a byproduct of that generality, of that principle that we all apply. And that's why this is one of those episodes that you really have to get quiet, be by yourself, and really be honest with yourself about this stuff. Because everyone has this in them that needs to be broken before we can move forward with anything. When you realize that your brain is starting to wire itself in that direction, you start to understand why the word strength is actually a mask for the word comfort. It's what you're comfortable with. It's what comes easy to you. It's what's familiar to you. It's what doesn't disrupt the pathway. We've all heard this idea that in the area of discomfort is where you grow, right? In the areas where you are unfamiliar, that's where growth occurs. And we hear it all the time. Why doesn't it make an impact on us? Because it's scary. Because it's nice to be able to think about things and not have to go near them. It gives us enough of a reward to hear that and say, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. And then that's it. And we've forgotten that that doesn't do anything. The only thing that does anything is doing something. And so when you decide to realize that in your weaknesses is where you'll grow, in your weaknesses is where you actually need to triple down, it is literally as simple as allowing your mind not to let pass those thoughts that are difficult, coming across something that's not comfortable, something that makes you feel dumb, makes you feel incapable, incompetent, inadequate, something that makes you feel like you have to put more effort than you'd like. That's the gold. That's where the money is. That's where you would normally just be like, nah, I don't want to do this. You wouldn't even think that because you've already programmed the, the, the wiring is more efficient than that. As soon as it gives you that signal of discomfort, that signal of that's not something I'm good at, you immediately deviate away. You haven't even thought about it because you don't want to waste the time doing it. That's called a habit. 
how to break that habit, pay very close attention. You come across that thing and ask yourself, what do I need to do to do that? If I did that, what would happen? What could positively happen? What could negatively happen? How uncomfortable does that thing make me? When I'm uncomfortable with that thing, I don't feel like doing it. As I said in the beginning, the bottom line is this. There's no magic pill. There's no secret recipe. There's no easy path to do this. There's no secret. It is as simple as taking the energy and the effort to recognizing the things that you are not good at, that you're not comfortable with, more importantly, that you're not comfortable with. Because you could recognize that you're not good at something and all of a sudden have the motivation and the inspiration to try and do it. But if you feel uncomfortable or if you don't feel motivated, you're just not going to do it. That's the problem. And the funny thing is not being motivated makes you feel weaker in that thing and you're gravitating away from your weaknesses. And it's funny how this concept actually permeates everything, how meta it actually is. And that's the reason for bringing it up in this particular podcast. And that's the reason for bringing it up in this context of the community. Of course, you'll probably agree if I were to tell you that switching to a different field, switching to a different residency, switching to a different department will help you grow because you'll learn new things. Even when I say that, it sounds boring and useless and mundane and it doesn't move me at all. We heard it, we've heard it so many times that it just doesn't do anything. It's just a sound bite. But have you ever sat and thought about actually getting into something that's not comfortable? What ends up happening is you put the effort in or you, you don't put the effort in. You don't put the effort in. You feel the uneasiness. That uneasiness makes you self-conscious, makes you self-conscious about looking stupid, about not being rewarded and not, about not being applauded. And you're just like, why do I want to be in a situation like that? Why do I want to make myself feel miserable? Why do I want to make myself look like a fool? And here is an interesting thing that pops up in my mind. Because one of the biggest issues in the healthcare world that we are in right now is we're cogs in a machine. That machine has the patient in mind, which makes it sound altruistic. But the system that we are in is one big medical corporation, so to speak. The client is the patient, and we need to do what we need to do to make the client happy because we have to get our scores higher. We have to get patient satisfaction better. Because of that, and because we went into the field with altruism, with a desire to help people, that framing of it makes us feel like we would be unethical. We would be going against what we wanted to do if we didn't fall in line with this because this is a health institution, which means it cares about health. And if I want to do that, I want to benefit people's health, I need to just fall in line. There's also the aspect of just feeling like you're so small in the grand scheme of things that you couldn't possibly do anything. And the people around you are part of the status quo. And so you fall in line. And what you lose is control, agency. That word comes up again. So when you're in a situation where you've already relinquished your ability to control the situation and you just have to go through the motions, now you're going to have a chance to choose to do something and you're going to choose to do the thing that makes you feel weak, that makes you feel inadequate, that makes you feel dumb, the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable. Why on earth would anybody do that? The difference is that in this situation, you have control. And just because you have control over something doesn't mean you have to pick the thing that gives you the instant gratification.
Because if we know that comfort causes stagnation and discomfort will cause growth, then we have to look at the long-term plan. We have to look at the longer game. And if you look at that long-term investment, you know that the suffering has to occur now. The word investment, you give out money now, you lose the ability to spend liquid cash because you know down the line it's going to become greater. You sacrifice eating the first marshmallow because you know you're going to get the second one. We've all heard that experiment before. You go to the gym now and you tear muscle. You literally cause damage to your body in order to make it grow later. That's discomfort on a very micro scale. But what else ends up occurring? What are the secondary benefits that occur from being in a situation of discomfort, in a situation of unfamiliarity, in a situation of your weakness? You learn. You learn whether you realize you're learning or not. And why is that important? Not just because learning is important. Because in order to be a leader, in order to be empathetic, in order to be able to relate to other people and to be able to impart experiences and tactics for other people to be able to grow, in order to make the path easier for other people, you have to gain context. You have to gain understanding of the system. And even if you don't end up experiencing the difficulties that someone else that you're mentoring is experiencing, or a colleague, or a friend, or a teammate is experiencing, being in the process of difficulty will get you some level of empathy to be able to, at least conceptually, help that person through their problem. And in helping that person through their problem, in feeling the strength to be able to help them, you will learn from them secondarily. These are what build leadership tactics, teamwork tactics. These are the things that help you bank a set of skills that make you a better leader in resuscitation, a better communicator when it comes to consultants and when it comes to other units and when it comes to dealing with administrators and patients and colleagues and trainees and managers. It's that ability to communicate, that ability to take a moment to pause and empathize, to pause and think about the other situation and what the end goal is. Those things come out of difficulties. Why? I want you to think about the feeling that you just got when thinking about a time where you're exhausted, where the patients and their families are treating you like crap, when you just got insulted by a consultant who thinks you should know better. Whatever it might be, you are exhausted. You are at your last wit. And then you're being asked by yourself and by me and by the community to enact that empathy, to enact that moment that allows you to take one path or the other, the path of frustration and just being, quote, real and just letting out your raw, unfiltered self versus taking a moment to pause, thinking about the situation, deleting whatever you feel right now, because right now is a different situation and the exhaustion mentally that you feel is not actually real, it's not tangible, pausing, taking a breath, and thinking about how you can navigate this particular situation in a way that brings a positive end result. Even if that's what you wish you got yourself, you wish somebody would take a moment to think about how you feel, they don't do that. And now you have to do it for them? That seems completely unfair. That's the reality of things. And the same way you're wishing that they would do that for you, they're waiting too. And so, what does that have to do with tripling down on your weaknesses? Tripling down on the discomfort? Because in the moments where you don't feel the motivation, the moments where you don't feel like doing it, 
where certain days you're like on your toes and you're doing, you're just moving and you're being generous and you're being empathetic and you're being just gracious and more positive and upbeat and you've got a pep in your step. Those are not the days you deserve to get a pat on the back for yourself. It's easy then. It's comfortable then. It flows then. The days you don't feel like it, the days you don't want to show up, those are the days you have to pause and really think about that moment of weakness, that moment of discomfort, and recognizing that this is a moment that I get to choose to level up or not. One of the things I had been trying to do for a very long time is getting myself comfortable with daily exercise, getting myself in a flow state, trying to reward myself in my mind with the idea of it's going to be great. I'm just going to do five to 10 minutes and hyping myself up. And I would always fall off. There were two things that I did that helped. One of them, though, is relevant to this right now. And that is taking a moment, looking at my sneakers and saying, this sucks. I don't like this. I don't want to go run. I don't want to move. I don't like it. From that day on, the amount of ease that came with getting out there and doing it was so much greater because I was honest with myself and I was real with the situation. I'm not trying to get myself into something that's exciting and great and blah, blah, blah. I'm doing something that I know sucks that I just got to do. And that's the difference between delusion and optimism. Optimism is not just telling yourself everything's fine while everything's on fire behind you. Optimism is looking at a problem and saying, this is a problem. What are the solutions? What are the options we have here? Let's lay it out, the pros and the cons, and let's see what can be done about it. That's optimism. So it's possible for you to be able to take your weakness and look at it optimistically. And it's possible for you to look at that weakness and the optimistic route is to say, this sucks. I am so incapable of this. I'm going to do this and it's going to remind me of how much I cannot do. Yet, when I do it, even if it's 1% gain for 50% effort, it's still 1%. The next time I come back to it, I'm going to be 1% higher than I was before. That is relevant to when you don't want to do something. It's relevant to when you don't want to be kind. It's relevant to when you don't want to understand the other person's position because they're being immature or selfish or childish or whatever it might be. It is so difficult and it's so uncomfortable and it's so draining but just like you tear a muscle in order to build it up, you have to take the action. And this comes down to how to make this happen. And the answer is you just have to do it. Sorry, there's no better answer. There is no magic pill. There's no shortcut. There's no secret. You have to be vigilant. So what can you do? What can you actually take away from this moment, this podcast, this episode, what can you do after turning this off and actually put into practice, implement to start seeing change? Because there's going to be a lot of things that we discuss here that are concepts and principles, but ultimately I can't make you do anything. I can only make me do something. And that's what I'm trying to do. But only you can make yourself do, and only you can remind yourself of how far forward you need to look for the grand scheme, but remember that big progress and big change and all this stuff, it's not about making huge strides. It's about taking just a step, making a chip, 
developing a habit. The habits that we create are little tiny innocuous things that occur. And eventually you just lay down the wiring and it becomes more and more efficient. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take consciousness and awareness. But let's talk about what we can do about this. The first thing I think one can do is sit and reflect on this idea. Understand and put yourself mentally in those situations that make you feel stupid, that make you feel slighted, that make your ego shrink, that make you feel like retaliating or making excuses just to make yourself feel better. Really think about those moments. Lay out a couple of them that tend to happen more than once a day or a week. Once you lay them out, it'll make it easier for you to recognize just one of them. Let's say you list five different things. One of them will pop up. When that moment pops up, be vigilant, be aware of it, and think and ask yourself, which options do I have to take? How do I feel about each option? I would feel really good to just let this person have it. And I could say something positive, but that's boring and that's stupid and that's not cool. That's not cathartic. That doesn't feel good. That doesn't make me feel better about myself. But I know that that's not what it's about. I know that what it's about is actually laying down the option for the other person to realize that there's a better way. And I'm willing to bet that when you think about that, it feels better for you to lay out something for another person to realize is better and see that happen with them and see the way they treat you. And it might be that that person treats everyone else like garbage, but treats you better because you gave them the chance to. That, you know, and I know, feels far better than having somebody just be nice to you. It feels better than having an environment where you're just laying there and all the good is coming to you. Carving the path is much more sufferable. But you and I both know that that's the better path. You and I both know that that's so worth it. And I'm willing to bet that there's a tiny bit of you or a large bit of you right now that's thinking about that and feeling the satisfaction already. Now, the last thing I want to say with regards to these final actions is it's not easy and it's exhausting to think about that fork in the road of choosing which path you want to go to when you recognize the moment. You can't do that on the fly. And you also won't want to do it on the fly when you're built up with emotions. That's why you need to sit and think about it. You need to reflect. You need to sit down and think about three or four or five situations or even just think of one situation that you know comes up. Sit down and think about it. And again, again, again in your mind, play it over again. Play it over again. And play the scenario of you picking that better path. So that when it comes, you pick the better path. That same thing applies to practicing resuscitation. A lot of us out there, some of us don't get enough sim time. Some of us don't see enough sick people. Some of us don't get into situations where we get to lead a team. There is something very powerful about mental simulation. It's very difficult to think about the things you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But if you can bank cases in your mind, sit down, reflect on the case, put yourself in a position, close your eyes, and actually start to think about the sounds in the room and how you feel in that moment, take that deep breath, put yourself in that uncomfortable situation, and start to make action in your mind. Start to take action. Start to make decisions. Make a decision to go down this route and then think about what you anticipate to happen. Then make the next decision. Think about the other people that'll be in the room 
and think about pointing and calling out their names, asking them to do things, bringing the team together. Think about using closed-loop communication. Think about orienting the room so when EMS rolls in, they come into the right side of the bed and you pause on the story until the patient's moved over and you ask for the relevant details. All that stuff. Simulate it in your mind. Keep reminding yourself of that pathway. And it's going to be frustrating and annoying. And your mind might actually think about the things that you did wrong. Fantastic. Sit and think about those things. And then using optimism, look at that problem, look at the thing you did wrong, and say, what are my options here? How can I avoid that? How can I make that better? And if it happens again, what can I do to course correct in the moment? Take these actions. Start thinking about all the things you're learning here about how can I turn them into actions? Because I promise you, I guarantee you, I can tell you from firsthand experience that every single thing I've shared is relevant to both interpersonal communication and clinical practice. And if you take a moment to do two things, one, reflect on it in the context of what goes on in your career, in your schooling, in your interactions with your superiors and your peers, and two, start to lay out actions to implement the things that you're learning, the things that you're reflecting on, putting yourself in a situation where you can act upon those things and make those the habit loop. And lastly, remember that when you do it, there will probably be no reward from the outside. But that checklist in your mind and knowing, being confident that you, along with everyone else in this community who is with you, by doing it, you're chipping away at the block of marble and eventually is going to be a sculpture. But you have to lay the groundwork. We are pioneering here. There is no reward. There may not be within your career. There may not be within your lifetime. But the people coming up behind you don't have an option, don't have an alternative path to choose until you and I lay it out. As always, Send your thoughts, send your questions, send your comments, your feedback to podcast at rosk.life. I am dying to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Tell me about cases that you've had. Tell me about wins you've had. Tell me about situations where you feel this could be implemented. I will bring them to the rest of the community through this podcast. If you want to be anonymous, you can be anonymous. But I want you to share in your experiences. I'm only here to start the ball rolling. This is your community. This is your path. You're the leader here. I'm just a tour guide. Let me hear from you. I want to get all of you involved. I want to create an engaged and interactable community where we can no longer feel alone in this path. Even if this was the place that we go to, to have that better place, when the world at work is not, so be it. But eventually, the habits get built, the wiring gets laid down, and just things start to change. I'll see you next time.